Okay, hello and welcome to the latest Leash Today Love Leash podcast. Um, I'm joined once more by my colleague Alan Hartnett and we're going to be hearing from Martin Crowley, one of the driving forces behind the Shine event, which will take place in Emo Court this weekend. Now, the premise of this podcast is, you know, the name of it actually is Love Leash. And if anything, any event that encapsulates what Love Leash is all about, it'll be evident in this uh, Saturday in Emo Court. So Shine was the first event, big event locally, after COVID, and it was held in Emo Court last year. And there's a couple of different strands to it. First of all, it's held in Emo Court, which is an absolutely savage venue. Um, it's just off the Wellingtonia Avenue, to the left of it, as you look at Emo Court. Um, and Emo Court itself, just brilliant, brilliant. It's most, Emo Court is a very Instagrammable type place. Like There's just so many cool, picturesque, pretty places, sort of spots in it. But to the left of it is it's a trade fair essentially, and all around the outside, there's a hundred businesses or groups exhibiting at it, and that's going on from nine o'clock on Saturday all day. Saturday job, it's a free event to attend. But in the very centre is where Ireland's fittest club takes part. Now I think it's called Fittest Team this year, it's Fittest Club last year, and it's essentially Alan. It's like Ireland's Fittest Family. The event it starts at nine o'clock in the morning. There there are twenty four teams. I think each team has six people on them, and there are heats. Quarterfire heat. I think if each team has to do two heats, then it's into the semi-finals and then the final. Six teams get into the final, and they're in lanes. And the way it's set up, it's like an arena. The, you can see the the whole spectacle from any particular vantage point. And like it's, they're pulling uh, vans, JK Auto's vans. They're moving uh, bricks. They're flipping over tractor tires. They're going under cargo nets. They're it's gruesome. Like it's absolutely torturous looking. But you're, then like there's an emo team. Uh, there's a Port Leash Garda team. There's a I know my own club Ananok. There's an Ananok team. There could be a Port Are you Leash not, did you not make the make the cut for the Ananok team? No, I did not make the cut. I would die. You know? <laughs> so I'd say you might well have for brute force and ignorance to get you a long way. I'd say in an event like that. Yeah, strength is the main thing. From looking at it last year, it's fitness. Yes, no. You flip a tractor tire 12 times and then have to go under a cargo net straight away after doing it. Yeah, it's fairly tough. But it's um, if I, if last year's event is anything to go by, it's absolutely brilliant. They were blessed with the weather last year. Got, got fantastic weather. And the weather forecast for this week is quite good. So it should make for a really good event. There's so many things feeding into it. One is that there's, there's guaranteed 100 businesses sort of dotted around the, the perimeter of it. Then the contest, which is going on all day, like there's there's heats or quarterfinals or semifinals all through the day, and then setting the setting, as I said, is so good. They're expecting a crowd of about five thousand people at it, um, and that's what that's what oh. the, the the license allows for. So really good event. There's good good few sort of food options, um, children's entertainment, and all of that, and it's the sort of the first event of the summer, really, the first big event. Um, so what what we'll do is we'll hear from Martin Crowley. Who is one of the main organizers of the event, and uh, we'll come back with a few other uh, stories that we want to go through. Okay, so I'm joined now by Martin Crowley, uh, one of the driving forces behind the Shine event, which is in Emo Court this this coming Saturday. Martin, this is your second year to have the Shine event. It incorporates a trade fair, essentially, which is showcasing some of the leash businesses and Ireland's fittest club or fittest team competition, which is describing Talon is like the most grueling event. I, I was at it last year. It's like Ireland's fittest family, obviously, and it's a uh, it's a great spectacle. But it's it's not for the faint-hearted to be involved. Where where did the inspiration for Shine come from? Yeah, hi Stephen, hi Alan. Yeah, it's um, it's an event that seems like going on forever. It was taught back about in 2019 and we had two failed attempts with COVID. 
um, Clonchard. John Strong was chairman of EMOJ at the time, and he was very anxious to do something, you know, another fundraising idea, but something different. Um, and then these chambers, I was involved in these chambers, and we as a group in these chambers were very anxious to promote leash business. I suppose put leash itself on the map as well as their businesses, because I find sometimes we don't shout enough about what we have in leash, and maybe when you come into the county, you realise you see it more where well, if you're born and bred in a place like where I came from, I'd have no value in the sand and sea because I was sick of seeing it every single day of the week. So it's probably easier for us coming in to see, geez, why aren't we telling people about this? So, and then we had the wonderful Emo Gardens here beside us, 250 acres of land. So there was a lot of tune and fun and this idea came together between the various groups and said, hang on, there's something in this that we could promote business, sport and tourism in the one day. And that's where it started back in October 2019. And we eventually got the successful run of it 12 months ago last Saturday. And that kind of gave us an appetite to do it again. Now, it's a lot of hard work, but we decided to give it a shot again. And that's where we're going for this Saturday. Yeah, you know? And where, where the, the, the fittest club element of it, like that's sort of the centrepiece, as I was saying, um, a few of you sort of knocked heads together and came, and reckoned that this would, would, would be a sort of a big draw. Yeah, well, it was it was just something entertaining. Like, uh, I suppose I've gone to, and a good few of us would have gone to trade shows, and, and in effect, it can be boring. And it was it was trying to give something, hang on, this is a nice day out. I suppose the, the work-life balance with COVID was all, came fast into the play as well. And people were like, hang on, can we do something nice? And here we, we, we said, put the businesses together, and put a bit of entertainment together. So it's not just talking to business all day long, but you can turn your back and you're watching a sports competition. So the two, we could see the two marrying and the two benefiting each other, where the, the, the sports will bring the crowd and the businesses can feed off the crowd. So it was that combination, actually. More luck than anything, Steve. Uh, I was like, it wasn't something that we put down on a piece of paper day one and started. It, it, it actually evolved and we could see potential in it. And that's where it is today. And... Yeah, I believe it'll be huge on Saturday. Yeah, you know, you had a crowd, you had a massive crowd. I think of about five thousand at it last year. Mm. It was an all, all day event. Um, you know, there's mm. no range of food options. There's children's entertainment. Um, you must have been absolutely thrilled with how last year went. Yeah, it, it, so look, it was really nervous leading into us for, for all of us involved because we didn't really know what we were letting ourselves into. And uh, there was a good few of us sitting below Nemo Court at half four Saturday morning, and then. What in the name of God did we do this for? But look, as the day evolved, it was brilliant. And there was a mighty satisfaction for the community um, that we pulled off something like this. And I suppose it was the day after when you start seeing the reports back and saying, geez, this was a great day, this was brilliant, this was everything. It was only then I realised, hang on, if this went wrong, <laughs> this later we could get, and I never thought of that side of it. So we are conscious of that this year, to say, hang on, just because last year went well, we must put in double the effort this year to, um, to make it positive. And, and that's what we, we really have gone out to do. And the whole idea of being free in, I suppose, a lot of people are saying, why don't we charge in a fiver? People won't mind the fiver. Look, every fiver, the cost of living things, it's not easy for families. If you take, um, we'll say, a mother and father and two or three or four or five kids into an event, you know, they do cost money. So we said, um, we we're fortunate enough that we, we could let it be free of charge this year and let people in, enjoy the, the venue, enjoy the crack, enjoy and, and learn some of the business. And hopefully the businesses will get business back out of it, you know. So, oh, wait, so, so Lee's Chamber and Emo GA are the main organisers. How do you, like it is yeah. a fundraiser, as you said, where, where yeah. does the, how do you raise the funds from it then if, if, if it's free in? 
Yeah, the, the funds really are, are done by our main sponsors. I suppose Finline Furniture, Kieran and Killian Finan are, are key to this, you know. And in fairness, Kieran was involved with Chambers back with me and he was adamant that we do something like this. And he was, from day one, he said, we're in, we'll back you, or we'll back the club, we'll back the Chambers to do something like this. Um, then we have PowerPoint Engineering, Midland Legal, Kim Turn Real Estate and JK Autos. Maybe our other main sponsors that, that, that look give us massive support but together we including yourself each today thank you we have 55 actual sponsors involved in Saturday so it's in 55 businesses are between sponsoring teams and sponsoring various things around it's in 55 businesses are making this happen to be honest it's, it's, that's how it's done and there's no other secret to it you know ok and obviously then you're getting huge support it's an Emo GA club fundraiser as well and the, the entry fee for the teams goes to Emo GA you're telling me um, but there's obviously a huge amount of work. Uh, I remember being at meeting you on the site on the Friday last year beforehand, and there's like it's it, it's flat out on site getting it ready, and it's all sort of emo locals that are there putting the shoulder to the wheel. Yeah, like we'll start now tomorrow around one or two o'clock. We intend to go on site tomorrow, and that'll go on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, take a break for the emo match maybe uh, Friday evening but yeah and that's and like I said lads we'll be back on site again Saturday morning at 6 o'clock we'll be there till 8 or 9 o'clock Saturday night and we'll be back Sunday morning we've given an agreement with OPW that the site will be cleared by 12 o'clock on Sunday so that's a massive amount of work about 80 locals will be involved in it and in fairness I suppose one thing we'll have to add in this year is the weather which makes it twice as hard it's nice it's brilliant to have the fine weather and we can't say but that, that's going to make it difficult in its own right for the people working in it but look we're up for a challenge and there's no. a great spirit as you well know out in this race you know yeah. the, weather, the weather forecast is good like, but for the week so it's, it's sun cream we're looking for and not umbrellas Sun cream and ice creams, and and I thought when you talk about the challenge, the sports challenges, like they when you look at them, you say, yeah, I can do that. But it's when you put time, or when you put uh, a neighbouring club or someone beside you, and you're competing against the clock, um, they're they're really really difficult. And then you add in the heat to it. So our our biggest job on Saturday is keeping the list, um <laughs> liquid in them. You, you know, that's that's a huge challenge, and, and it's something we have to take quite seriously, really, because. You know, it's very easy to get hydrated. I know each lap is only, we'll say each each section of the, of the event is 20 minutes, but it, it's, a, it's 20 minutes with non-stop, you know, so it's not your junior football, <laughs> you know, taking a break for 15 minutes in the corner. No, you're flat out for your 20 minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Here, have you any, any tips of who might win it? Like, is there any early favourites that you're installing to win, to win it this year? No, because you look like like we have we there's there's boxing club in it, there's an MA club, ladies rugby, GA clubs, and then there's a, a good few companies have put in teams this year and I honestly don't know what them teams are made up of. Are they local clubs? Are they are they workers? We where that's the unknown quantity that's coming into it, you know, and um now all teams have been given um uh, videos of what's going to go on on Saturday so I heard a few teams have been training hard over the last few weeks so they won't be surprised at what they see Saturday okay. so they have, they, they have the time to prepare this year I, I expect it'll be interesting and very interesting like there is 10,000 euros at the end of the day um, up for grabs so the, the last 16 will make the finals um, that will be competitive without a shadow of a doubt you know it's going to be fairly frightening so hopefully we can manage them but keep them within the <laughs> defence of the arena you know yeah. well, look Martin I want to wish you the very best of luck with the event on Saturday you proved what a success it could be last year and you're personally putting you know get, putting huge effort into yourself so look good luck with the event and enjoy the couple of points afterwards because they'll be well deserved 
Well, indeed. And thank you for your support as well. Thanks, Leash. Today. Thank well, you. Not at all, Martin. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. So that was Martin Crowley, Alan. Um, this event, obviously, is, is Emo Gier, one of the groups behind it, the Chamber of Commerce. And Martin was the first president of the new Chamber of Commerce when, when it was set up a couple of years ago. He's also a very proud Emo GA man. So you've got the two factors coming together there. And Martin, uh, Caroline Hoffman and Lee's Chamber uh, have really put the shoulder to the wheel in that. So I wish them the best of luck for Saturday. Haven't been there last year. Couldn't recommend it highly enough. Bring the sun cream and uh, get yourself a good vantage point and shout for whatever team. You lo- you definitely know somebody taking part or you'll know teams. That's what makes it sort of enjoyable. And, uh, you know, you just see people going to the well uh, to win it. One of the emo teams won it last year. But I reckon, I reckon the outside teams will be a bit more prepared. It's 10,000 in cash for the winners. Or there's a 5,000 for the winners, 3,000 for second, and 2,000 for third. So it's... Um, fair, fair, uh, yeah, fair incentive there, isn't there, to do it? Well. will earn it, though, I will say that. <laughs> so uh, um, we'll, we'll, move from, we'll move from that to uh, another story we have. You, you, you had a fairly explosive enough story there on site this morning. Um brought to your attention by Councillor Aidan Mullins. Mm, so he, he was in touch with us yesterday, uh, being Monday. Um, he has been, had been on to the Leash County Council's housing department. Aidan is, is very big on housing. Um, as look, everybody is, but it's one of his He's key councillor for Port Arlington, or yeah. from Port Arlington, for the Port Arlington Grey Cullen district. District, yeah. And and he he uh, went off and he saw the figures um in relation to how many offers the council had made to people on the housing waiting list to house them and how many of these had been refused. So in 2022, the figures show that the council had 383 offers of social housing and 63 of these were refused. So basically one in six at 16%, one in six uh, had said no to the offer that they had been given. Now he found this totally unacceptable during the, the housing crisis that uh, that high figure would be uh, would be refusing and so far this year from January 1st to April 30th 204 offers had been made and 21 of them had been refused so that's a, a drop it's 10.3% now he you have to give a reason for why you're saying no so um, some of them you know the reasons the, the most common one was the distance from the current school so if a person is in is that not uh, a perfectly valid reason though yeah yeah that would be definitely and he said that was the most common one you know which which would be fair you know the other reasons then were no back garden don't like the area no transport and not in a preferred town although he says on the uh, application form you are asked to list three areas of preference so um you know there's not that many towns in in leash so if you list three Probably not that many that you don't want to live in. So anyway, um, he he's like Aidan's idea on it is that like you know many of the refusals are for genuine reasons. He says that and on valid grounds, and each individual case is different. But he feels that others like the no garden and that are hard to accept considering the current housing crisis and this lack of availability in the market. So he he said like at the minute, if you refuse, what is it? If you refuse three times, um, you get basically bumped to the back of the queue for, for 12 months. I think he, he don't get offered another house for 12 months. Now he said that if or sorry, twice, if you refuse two, twice twice for what are deemed reasonable offers, now I don't know how to determine what a reasonable offer is, but if you refuse twice, um, 
you're not offered another place for 12 months now he his opinion is that, that should change to incentivize people that they're not saying no because they don't have a garden or because they don't like the area or they don't like the town or, or whatever so look that was the that was what's the, story. the solution well his solution i think is to make the penalties tougher so that people are more likely to accept the the, the houses that they're offered um rather than uh and it would i suppose help to to uh to lower the the waiting list um as as things go on i get, think get through it quicker like yeah 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 so like i i suppose it's a obviously it's a different different difficult one for me or you to comment on because locally neither of us are in that situation and, and i think it's always hard to pass judgment on somebody when you don't know or you have never been thankfully in that situation where you're 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 in a in a situation where you're waiting on a home that's I, I don't know, it must be an awful situation to be in, so it's hard to pass judgment on somebody. But uh, yeah, that was the that was the, the figures that he presented. Uh so Aidan is obviously a, a Port Arlington Council Council. You were at his meeting last week, the, the Great Cullen Port Arlington Municipal District. So we, we split them up. You go to that one more often than not. I go to the Port Leash one seems to be we're, we're going to split it from the next time onwards. But I was at the Port Leash one last week. Um and it's Port Leash, as we said previously, Abbey Leaks. Um Ballinakill, Spink, Bally Rowan, they all come into it. The Rock is in it. So it's sort of a, it's a big urban area, but it has rural segments to it as well. So I was at their meeting last week. Councillor Thomasina Connell uh, had a motion calling for auctioneer for sale signs um, not to be allowed at the front of estates. So, it, you know, you'll often see, you know, if you're driving into Fairgreen or Esker Hills or Kilminch or whatever, there'll be all the auctioneers will have signs on, on, on the gates essentially saying for sale. And Thomasina's argument was that they're against the ethos of the tidy towns and they're potentially littering and if they're not taken down in time and a lot of them don't be taken down um, they should be hit with, the, with, with, a, with a littering fine of 150 euro or something she sort of said in this day and age you know people don't go out for a drive on a Sunday wondering what's for sale like you know they've daft of my home etc but her motion took a bit of a twist because the other councillors said sure, we can't be calling for auctioneers not to be putting up posters when they're less than a year from local elections and they want to be putting up posters themselves. <laughs> so it was like, Thomas Eden was like backtracking a little bit and, you know, didn't want the sentiment of her emotion being lost. Councillor Catherine Fitzgerald definitely seized an opportunity. So at the last yeah. local elections, I think it was 47 or 8 candidates, there was only 6 candidates didn't put up any posters and there was only 3 councillors. So there was 3 new candidates um, didn't put up any posters and there was three existing councillors and I think they were Aidan Mullins the four mentioned Aidan Mullins um, Catherine Fitzgerald and Noel Toohey so they were the existing councillors so Catherine was there supporting Thomas Ina's motion now you could you could pick up the sarcasm and the irony of her supports but it was all going on the record and said thanks very much Thomas Ina for putting putting uh, this I have to support this And but we can't be talking out of both sides of our mouth we can't be saying um, we can't be saying that auctioneers can't put up uh, posters and, and then that we can and obviously Thomas Ina was backtracking a little bit in that and then councillor Carolyn Duane Stanley was um, t- she didn't agree with Thomas Ina's motion at all um, um, and uh, that they were saying like that they could agree, the councillors could agree not to put up posters themselves, but that's only binding to the councillors themselves. There could be twice as many candidates, so they don't have to agree to it. So it was quite a funny one. Yeah. What's, what's your view on, on election posters? Like some people hate them, or are they a necessary evil, or what? 
Uh, I don't mind them. I mean, like they're part of the the whole fever that takes over when uh, when that comes around and um, that time. Like you, you know, it sort of signifies that the election is on. I think it helps to let people know it's on as well. Like they're part of of getting your overall message out there. Um, I understand the the uh, the concerns over the environment um, and and what happens to them afterwards, but. I, I don't have a problem with them. I mean, if candidates don't want to put them up, they don't have to put them up. I uh, didn't seem to do any harm to the, the three councillors you mentioned as they all got re-elected. So uh, it's purely a, a personal decision, whatever you want to do or not. Um, but I don't. I, I like I like seeing them. I think they're like the kind of as the they draw people's attention to the fact that there's an election on and. A lot of That's people are going about their lives, and no, and there's a lot of people going about their lives who might have no real interest in politics or whatever else. But yeah, to see the poster, they might go, oh, sure, go and I have a vote for him or her or whatever. So yeah. I don't. I I I, I, I I think the people. I think the people. A lot of people give out about them. I think it's sort of a populist thing to give out, and it's an easy sort of a a bandwagon to jump up on and sometimes I like driving a bandwagon and sometimes I like giving out about people being populist <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely all for um, election posters so the simple, there's one simple thing you have to keep in mind as well they're only allowed to be up for three weeks I think I think they can only go up once the election has been called and that, that is only about mm. three, three weeks beforehand the local elections are only every five years. So if you put three weeks, 21 days into five years, it's about one point something percent of the time that they're over a five-year period that they're up. So it's absolutely minuscule. I also think that it makes the mainstream, you know, candidates will advertise with us, they'll advertise in the local papers and that. But the, I think the posters, and I'm probably speaking against myself because if they weren't allowed to put up posters, they'd probably advertise more with the likes of us. But I think... Nine and ten year olds may not be scrolling on leash today to see whatever councillor is advertising. Um, there's the nine, ten teenagers. I'd say anyone under fifty is is not buying a local newspaper. So, you know, I think the posters you cannot miss them. You just can't miss them when they're out no. there. By by the time the three weeks are up, yes, you're sick of the sight of them. All right, but. They all take them down afterwards. So it was a funny one, um, and I guarantee you now over the next year there will be a couple of candidates will take the high moral ground and say they're not putting up posters, but they'll do other things. They'll do leaflet drops. They might put up billboards. They, you know, they'll take ads with us. They'll do various things. It's not as if their heads aren't going to be out there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it was a funny one, and it was sort of entertaining how it um, how it t- went down a different route so I just and, and was, I actually texted you from that meeting as well last week I think the local elections aren't going to be until June yeah it's looking like June 3rd or 6th or something like that is it yeah I think yeah something like that actually the 3rd I'd say it could be the 3rd yeah before yeah, leaving uh, starts ooh, see that that, 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 that opened a can of worms anyway, yeah. schools and that voting yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be close enough to it anyway. Uh, because they, they tie in with the European elections, mm. isn't that the way it works? Yeah, and they're, and they're obviously yeah. held all across Europe. Yeah, so they have to be kind of twinned with that, and which you might sometimes even have a little referendum thrown in if there was one going too. So you'd have three bits of paper to be mm. scribbling on. So I, I think, I think where the posters uh, do what I people like last time, and it's going to happen probably again this time, is that there'll be a local elections and general election quite close to each other. So yes. like last yeah, time, yeah, last yeah, time yeah. the local elections were in May and the general election was in February. The sounds are now that we could have a general election in November or so. 
Oh, sorry. We, we, not not this coming November, but November twelfth. No, the following one. November yeah, twelfth months. So yeah. that'd be that'd be that'd be even shorter time mm. period. It'd be only five or five months or so between mm. the, between that, the two. Than there was previously. Um, there was another. Uh, I must say, Catherine Fitzgerald was sort of on fire at, at at the council meeting last week. She had three sort of very. Um, motions that were you talk about quite a lot like obviously uh, topical I think is the word I'm looking for but she had a motion <laughs> <laughs> she had a motion calling for Shea Dooley who is like the godfather of Port Leash basketball for him to be given a council reception he was recently honoured with a President's Lifetime Award by Basketball Ireland and Catherine um, Catherine suggested that the council should give him a, a council reception so they, they give them to people who are achieve things on maybe a national level and uh, the the Issue is going to be referred to a CPG meeting, which is a is it a corporate policy group meeting that will be in camera in the council, and I'm fairly sure that Shea will get his council uh, reception. But all the councillors were weighing in with their nice comments and that, and it's all it's all teeing up like you know they they want certain segments to support them at, at next year's local elections and that. But they, they were all uh, they were like, and you couldn't like Shea Dooley is most worthy, and you saw the reaction the story got. On our on our site, and the other one that Catherine had was um, oh she was also one about the Port Leash bus service, which I'm a big that's the one motion that I like to see quite a lot of it comes up regularly enough, and um, we're behind Carlo and Clonmel for a Port Leash bus service, but it is it oh. is it is on its way in well it probably could be on its way in the next five or six years, but the other one that she had which I thought initially was a little bit of a far fetched one she was looking for a cycleway slash path out to the Rocket Dunamis from Port Leash. And I was thinking, sure, that'd be fierce, dangerous altogether. How could you go out like the main road? But she was calling it the, the Ballyclyder Road, which would be out sort of past Pat Delaney's house and heading to the Rocket Dunamis that way. Um, yeah, a couple of kilometres. Yeah. Only a couple of com- kilometres yeah. from Port Leash. Uh, the road is wide enough. Reckon they wouldn't require too much of a uh, CPO, which is a compulsory purchase order. And the council are doing a feasibility study on it. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah, well, now I've heard that word a few times before, so wouldn't be getting, wouldn't be getting too uh, too excited about too it. excited. No, yeah, but, uh, but it wouldn't wouldn't be a bad thing now. I don't think. No, I don't. Like, Rockland Mesa is so cool, and like the, the views are tremendous from up there. And the other great thing about it, it like it doesn't, it it's not that you don't have to climb a whole lot to get to the top of it. Like it's not current too no. or anything, and the views are tremendous, and. Um, it's very close to Port Leash, but getting to it, it isn't that safe and that like, you know. I think a, and and it was this this would be a huge project and to, to undertake. And then there was a co- mentions of a couple of different funding streams that could be available for it. The language around the response to me sounded more positive than a lot of the responses. Well, that's encouraging. But as I said, I, I've sat at these meetings for six years now, and you often hear feasibility studies and. I, I think the the best case scenario is what's going on just outside my doorstep at the minute, the, the footpath from uh, Strabley to the graveyard. Okay. And I think that's about six or seven years in the making or maybe yeah. possibly even 10. <laughs> so, you know, these these things take a long time and that's only a small little bit of a footpath. So, yeah. uh, good idea. And I think um, Councillor Peter Kelly had something similar out. He was looking for one from essentially from Killinard National School out to the GA pitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, he was told that he'd be looked at as well, but... Yeah. Did, no, did, no. Wasn't there that big campaign from the Rock uh, Primary School to get one from the Rock? Yeah. They, they, they sent a petition in to us and everything. And they do. They have their paths now. They got it. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it's it. Look, if you, you shout loud enough, eventually mm. you, you will get what you're, yeah. what you're looking for. But uh, it takes a good bit of shouting, obviously, to yeah. get there. 
you have to go in and tell them they're a disgrace and it's a joke and you have to yeah. do it yourself and all that type of thing, you know. Um, so that was that. The, the, the other story that we had last week is actually um, the parish of the area of Castletown, you know, from the years to 95 to about early 2000s or so, suffered an incredible amount of tragedy and a lot of young people lost their lives. And last weekend there was a vintage run to raise funds for a memorial to those people. So... It's, it's a funny one in the sense that from 1995, Castletown had never won a senior hurling championship until 1995. And then they won eight in the next 11 years and got to a couple of senior or Leinster club finals and that. But in that time, I said, a lot of young people from the area. So they, they had the best of times and the worst of times. And they, they will say, the, the people involved will say that like the hurling was just an incredible outlet from the grief and the tragedy that they experienced during those years. But in 2001, um, the, f- the parish priest there, I think a Father Rattigan, um, fundraised and put in a, a memorial, a sort of a bronze statue, a sort of an oak tree cut down in its prime to signify the young people who had lost their lives and all their names were inscribed on it. And it was a really nice thing. And about 10 years later, some Torag robbed it and it's gone. Jeez. And, uh, you know, no longer there. It, was, it meant a lot to a lot of people. It was obviously worth some, you know, there was monetary value to it and it was stolen and never replaced. But, the, a group have got together again and they are fundraising now for a new replacement to go in there. It's not going to be as expensive and it's going to be less robbable. It's going to be concrete-based. And there was a fundraiser there last weekend and um, there was a, t- a Tony Ryan and uh, yeah. Fint Cuddy are some, among the, the people that Caroline Allen interviewed on our site and they both experienced tragedy, family tragedy themselves. So I just I hope that one gets the support it deserves. Um, as well as being a sort of a hugely significant story behind it, you know, it's now brought up twenty years later, twenty five years later or so, and uh, it's going to, you know, those people are going to be remembered again, and 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 that's very mm. noteworthy. The two people, and and this is going to sort of finish on a sad note. Um, I want to pay a tribute first of all to Will Sherlock, who passed away this week. Uh, Will is a guy. I'm forty this year. Will is probably forty five or forty six. And everyone knew Will Sherlock and everyone liked Will Sherlock. Um, a prison officer in Port Leash has been sick for the last couple of years and, and passed away this week. Um, leaves behind his wife Helen, uh, three young children. His mum is still alive and then obviously his, his various in-laws and relatives and friends. A prison officer in Port Leash and absolutely synonymous with Port Leash Rugby Club. Um, he was a giant of a man, an absolute giant Um a lot of people would have avoided him on the rugby pitch to stay out of his way because he was such a huge figure. Um, he was a Towns Cup winner with Port Leash in 2003. He was captain of the club. He, I'd say he played at every single grade. He, he did an interview with us a couple of years ago in 2017 um, about his association with Port Leash GA Club from Ayn outside Port Leash. He said himself and his brothers used to cycle into the top square and Port Leash used to put on a complimentary bus from the top square of the Tocker. Um, for, for people to go and Port Leash Rugby Club is a most welcoming place I played there myself um, as a young fella and then sort of then in my early 20s and that again really welcoming place and Will Sherlock played for every team all the way up along and I'd say he played for definitely first seconds towards fourths maybe even a fifth team might have entered a cup competition um, and he would have put his shoulder to the wheel so there's going to be a huge outpouring of grief at Will's sad passing so, so sad so a young man um, very popular and to his friends, family, Port Leash Rugby Club and the prison officers community I want to send their deepest sympathy and the yeah, other it's, it's, hor- it's absolutely horrible when somebody like that as you said can pass away because you can for me and you they're similar enough age so you can relate to them and, and all that and their families 
it's uh, it's it's horrible. Yeah, so our thoughts it's, definitely it's, with with them. It's one thing that we regularly do with sort of obituary pieces on site, and they're never nice to do. I do think the families sort of appreciate like the the sort of the support and well wishes in time. Obviously, they're going through grief at the moment, but it just. It, I'm able to say it to you that just Will Sherlock was a really popular fella. Everyone liked him. And then you see the, the the reaction on social media and it just sort of underlines that. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Portleash Rugby Club have experienced grief this year. Pat Huben only died earlier this year. He was another sort of uh, giant of the club uh, and, and died at a, at a young age and prematurely. And it's we've had a lot of tragedy in Leach this year. We've, you know, the two, two, two young guys dying overseas, uh, young Sean Clear from Balakala. Uh, not obviously, and Adam Kerwin, and then obviously David Brown. A lot of young people have lost their lives in the last couple of months, and it's and it's very sad. And it's these are the hardest stories that we have to do on site. Um, the other person I want to pay a tribute to this week is Jim McDonald. Jim was a developer and was sort of the driving force behind developing developing Kilminchy in the late nineties and early two thousands. And I didn't, I knew Jim by name. I didn't really, I never had any dealings with him. But those who did, like he was a he was a great character. He was sort of a shrewd operator. You know, he had a great vision for what he was trying to achieve, and he had the ability to bring people with him. Um, you know, like Kilminchy twenty twenty years ago was a farm, and yeah. you know, I don't know how many houses are in it now. As we all is here at the council meetings, that if it was, I think it's the second big, could it be the second or third biggest town if it wasn't Port Leash? You know, it's. Uh, I think so. It's something yeah. something mad stat like that. Yeah, it's, it's enormous. The yeah. scale of the place, and, and I spoke to someone who worked quite closely with Jim during those years, and he couldn't have spoken highly enough about him. He was a, an artless man, um, artless clean man, I suppose, to be precise about it. Um, but he was a huge supporter of both, you know, artless clean GA, least GA, and uh, you know, he leaves a fair legacy behind him as well. So I said I wanted to pay a tribute to to Jim McDonald. He changed how Portleash he changed Portleash essentially. You know, he was one of the people like Portleash had a population of five thousand, as you said last week. You know, it's up 25,000 plus now and a huge part of the town has changed and he was a key figure in that. So I want to, to pay a tribute to Jim and send our sympathies to the MacDonald family uh, on, on his loss as well. Look, that's this week's lovely sh- podcast. I don't think we've any other business, Alan. No, I think we're, we're all good. So, uh, hopefully the nice weather will continue. Yeah. Um, we, our friends in Emo should get a scorch for this weekend. Uh, and I think the, the weather forecast is dry for 10 days so um, it's not great yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah. long may that continue I'm looking out here at the, the fields across from me and they're all green they're absolutely the grass is shooting out of the ground so yeah. long may that continue this is my favourite time of year long evenings you know you're looking yeah. you're looking up um, so no look I, I would recommend anyone listening uh, the Shine event in Emo on Saturday well worth a couple of hours of your time uh, even to visit Emo Court alone but also to experience uh, the, the fittest team event and you'll no matter where you are on site you'll, be, you'll get a good view of it and the other thing is there's a hundred businesses most of them the vast majority of them are from Leash exhibiting at it and it's a chance to sort of show support and inform yourself of those as well so look we'll leave it at that over and out good luck God bless goodbye